you guys. Glad you're part of our services. You know, wouldn't it be cool to have a conversation with someone famous, like someone who was brilliant, someone who was just a genius, you know, just in their own right, just someone who really could teach you something. You know, how cool would it be to sit down and just have a coffee with like Alex Hermosi? You say, Alex, how'd you do it? How'd you build your business, man? How'd you do it? Or just sit down with a genius like Elon Musk. You know, what'd you do when you first moved to this country? And how'd you educate yourself and learn all that engineering? And then, and then how in the world do you just start a car company? I mean, that not only competes, but leads the way. How'd you do it, right? Wouldn't it be great to sit down? Maybe some young ladies here would just love to have a conversation with like a Sadie Robertson. Like, how do you honor God as a young lady in today's crazy world. Or maybe some women would say, I just want to sit down and have a conversation with Joyce Meyer. Just say, how'd you walk with God when you were so betrayed by your father? And, and how'd you honor the Lord in the middle of all that heartache? Or maybe a Christine Kane, or maybe for you, it's a Warren Buffett. If I could just get your advice on finances and, and learn what you know about the markets, right? There's someone that you'd love to sit down. How many guys can think of someone right now you'd just love to talk with? Maybe a Joe Rogan, you know, like, man, just the questions you're willing to ask people that no one is willing to ask, you know, just to ask them those questions. Now, just imagine if you could sit down and have a coffee with Jesus and ask him anything you wanted to ask. That's what this series is all about. Like if we could just sit and talk with him, not just what he taught, but how he lived his life. He had multiple conversations with people. He also had things that he went through, just like you and I go through. So here's the first question that I think we should ask today in our conversations with Jesus series. Here's a question that I would ask Jesus. Maybe you're like me, you'd ask this question too. Here it is. Hey, Jesus, I heard you were tempted in every way, just like I am. So how'd you do it? How'd you overcome all that temptation? Because unlike you, I've fallen into temptation, but you never did. You always overcame it. So what's your secret? What did you do? to overcome the temptation. How many of you guys would like to know that? Wouldn't that be great? Like how in the world do you overcome the temptation to be angry, right? I mean, just, just yesterday, my Aggies lost in the last two seconds of the game. And I had the temptation to throw myself on the floor and act like a baby and cry and scream and yell. But I resisted temptation because I'm saving that for today's Texans game, just in case I need that. <laughs> I mean, we all have a temptation, don't we? We do. There was a, a guy, he, he told his wife, honey, this is the third dress you bought this month. We are broke. You cannot keep doing this. I need you to take this back to the mall right now and get your money back. So she goes to the mall. She comes back. But the problem is she came back with another new dress. He was like, baby, what are you doing? She says, oh, but just look at it. She pulled it out. It was a beautiful red dress. She says, look, it looks so good. She said, honey, I told you. Well, you can't do it. She said, but I tried not. It looks so good. She, he, he said, babe, I told you when the devil tempts you to buy a new dress, you say, get behind these Satan. She said, I did. He said it even looked better from that angle. <laughs> we all have temptations. It's hard. I get it. So how do you overcome temptations? I want to show you some scripture. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me or your Bible app to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to just quickly look at this. I'm going to read through this if I can really fast. I'm just going to read the whole story. Then we're going to break it down how Jesus overcame his temptation. Check this out. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to, a holy, to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point in the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed them all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So we see in the scripture, Jesus is tempted three different times in three different ways from the devil, and he overcame all three ways. Now, did you notice that Jesus was hungry, right? He's tired. I mean, wouldn't you be ran down and tired if you were in a hot desert for 40 days with no food? I mean, so isn't it funny how the devil knows to come at us when we're tired, we're exhausted? Could that be one of the biggest reasons why maybe we're emotionally exhausted from all the stuff we're watching on TV and going on our phones and looking at, and we're so frustrated we show up to work tired rather than coming home from work tired? Could it be that the devil wants to keep us in a perpetual state of exhaustion so we're easy prey? There's so many things that are tucked in the scripture but I just want to point out a few if I can. And so the first thing I'd like to do if I can is show you how Jesus was tempted because we are also tempted the same three ways Jesus was tempted. So I'm going to break it down. I believe Jesus, if you was having coffee with you, say, let me, let me show you how I did it and what this means for you. Here's how you can overcome these temptations. The first thing is to know the three ways that we're all tempted. And some of them are, are obvious, but some are not so obvious. So the first one's kind of obvious, but the other one's not so much. Check it out. It says, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, What's this if? Did you catch that? Did you notice the devil said that three times to Jesus? If you're really the son of God. Now, first of all, the devil knew Jesus in heaven. He was the high angel that led the choir in worshiping Jesus. So he knew exactly who he was. So what was he doing? He understood that to constantly question someone was to devalue them. You ever had someone constantly at you? They're devaluing you. So he thought, I, I can't take away his identity, but if I can take his confidence, he won't step into his identity. Did you catch that? So he's like, if you're really the son of God, I mean, if you really are, right? So he says that if you're really the son of God, tell these stones to become like loaves of bread. Well, he knew Jesus was hungry. So this is the most obvious way that the devil tempts all of us and tempted Jesus to. Jesus was tempted to satisfy the needs of the body in the wrong way and in the wrong time. Now, we all have physical needs. There's nothing wrong with meeting those needs. It's how you do it and when you do it. So there's nothing wrong with eating, but there is something wrong with eating when, Jesus, when God tells you not to. So it's like, hey, you're supposed to be on a fast. And so the devil was really tempting him to eat at the wrong time. It wasn't that, that you couldn't eat food. There's nothing wrong with eating food. It was the wrong time. God gives us physical desires. There's nothing wrong with those. God gave, many men would say, man, God's given me this sexual urge, right? God gave you that. That's a God-given gift. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a time and a place. It's supposed to be something you satisfy that physical urge in marriage, right? And some people say, well, we're going to get married. Oh, no, no, that may be the right person. Wrong time. God says, no, wait until you're in a covenant marriage, you, until you've, you've made that a covenant relationship and you've married that person, right? So it's, it's, it's the wrong time and then the wrong way. And so oftentimes we want to meet the needs of our physical body, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's a time and a place to do it. There's also nothing wrong with eating food, no big deal, right? And so the Bible, pastor, the Bible talks about eating feasts all the time, right? But feasts were on occasion, they weren't every meal. 
That will lead to gluttony. That will hurt you physically, right? So you have to think about those things. And so there's a time and a place for everything, right? And so that's important. So the first thing is the physical needs we have, we oftentimes want to fulfill those, but we have to do it in the right way in the right time. Now, the second way we see the devil attacks him, so then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, you see that if again, oh, if you're really the son of God, right? Again, he's trying to question him. If you're the son of God, jump off for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands and you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. Now you may say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with Jesus jumping off of the temple. There's nothing wrong with that. But would you consider it wisdom to jump off a temple? To jump off a high building, would that be wise to do? No, first of all, we don't have the power of Jesus, so we don't have that Superman power that he clearly has, so it would kill us or majorly injure us if we survived it. So we would say that's lacking wisdom. Would you agree with me? And so one of the biggest ways the devil tempts us, this is really important, number two, Jesus was tempted to, to test God's protection by living outside of wisdom. So the devil knows not to say, hey, let's go smoke crack today. You're going to be like, okay, you're not going to do that. He says, hey, let's just get together with our friends. We're having to get together. It's no big deal. Yeah, but some things are going to be doing over there. But you're just not going to do any of that. You're just going to go hang out with your friends. I mean, is it wrong to be social? So you go to the party, no big deal. And the devil says, just have a drink, just one drink. It's no big deal. So you have one drink, which leads to another drink. And eventually someone introduces some substances. And next thing you know, you're like, how in the world did that just happen? The devil knows not to say, let's go do crack. You're not going to do that. So he never starts you with that. He starts you living in a lack of wisdom, getting in an environment you should not be in. Is it wrong? No. Is it wise? No. Make sense? The devil's not going to say, hey, let's date and marry a non-Christian to where you're divided in your home. You're not going to go, yeah, that's a great idea. He's going to say, this, this guy or girl, they're cute. And you know they're not a Christian, but we'll just hang out with them. Just hang out. Just maybe be a little flirty. But the devil knows that flirting leads to commitments and leads you to fall in love with someone that really is not the one for you. So he just wants to get you living in a lack of wisdom. And then once you are doing that, he's got you. Does that make sense? Just a lack of wisdom. Pastor, if I smoke cigarettes, am I going to go to hell for that? No, you're going to smell like you went to hell. But no, you're not going to go to hell for that. <laughs> Smoking may not be wrong, but is it wisdom? He said, well, I mean, I just smoke every once in a while, but I need to let you know. No one really smokes every once in a while because it's addictive. So what happens is you get hooked on it, and it'll cost you about 20 years of your life. So it's just lacking wisdom, and then you become ineffective. I mean, don't you want to see your grandkids raised? Don't you want to be around? So it's just lacking wisdom. You know, is it morally wrong? I mean, we can make an argument for your body. Clearly, it hurts your body. But I just want to encourage you that sometimes things maybe aren't so clear-cut right or wrong but it's just not wise. That's what you have to ask yourself. So the devil tempts us with things that just aren't the wise thing to do. It's like God says, God will protect you, so let's push his protection. Let's put you in a situation where he has to protect you. The devil gets us because we say to ourselves, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but what's right about it? Where's the wisdom in it? There's nothing wrong with spending everything I make. But when there's a broken arm you weren't prepared for, when the car breaks, were you prepared for that? Were you living in wisdom and saving something like the Bible talks about? Or are you now in debt? So what happens is we say, well, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not wisdom. So the devil tempts us 
with that. And then the third way that the devil tempts us is kind of an obvious one as well. Matthew 4, verses 8. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed them all the kings of this world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. And again, most of us aren't going to think, I will worship the devil if he gives me all this. But we fall for it in small increments. Well, if I just compromise a little bit, I'll get more followers. If I just show a little skin, you know, this is what the young lady says, just a little bit of skin, that's not, not wrong, I mean, just a little bit. And then, and then people will like my posts more. So just a little compromise leads to a little more compromise, leads to more. And so, and so what happens is we just, we just want to be popular. We do things we do because we want people to like us. And, and, and by the way, peer pressure doesn't end in high school. As you get older, you're like, you buy things you really can't afford because you just want to fit in. You want people to like you. And so popularity, power, and wealth, these are three things that Jesus was tempted with that we're all tempted with as well. None of these are different over the years. Some people say, well, but you know, trying to live for God in today's day and age is just way harder. It's not harder. Let me let, let you know something. The devil's tricks are not new. They're just old and they're just repackaged in new technology. It's the same old stuff that he's always tempted us with. It's just now in new technology. And so how do you overcome these kinds of temptations? There's a true story about a guy who went to see a pastor. And uh, he said, man, I'm, I'm mad at God. And the pastor says, okay, what are you mad at God about? He sat down in front of him. He said, I'm mad because God made me cheat on my wife. Really? How did the Lord make you do that? Well, you know, I mean, there's this girl at work, and she's really nice, and she's kind of cute. And, you know, we just kind of would talk and be a little flirty. And the pastor said, really, tell me more. He said, well, you know, and then we're, you know, one time we all went to, to lunch as a big group, and then everyone left, and we just kind of stayed after just the two of us and talked for about 20 minutes, just the two of us. He said, really, tell me more. He goes, well, and then, you know, then we went to this big convention. We're all there, and everyone was supposed to go downstairs and meet for drinks afterwards, and no one came but her and I, and I decided to say and just talk with her, and he's like, and then what happened? Well, then we just talked a little bit more, and we kind of talked, frankly, until the bar was closed. Wow, and then what happened? Well, then she said, hey, you want to come up and go over the reports with me in my room? Wow, and, and then what happened? Well, and then I went to her room, and one thing led to another, and got a little, got a little close, and then there was some touching, and then the next thing you know, we just went too far. And, and now I fell, and it's, I mean, I'm so mad at God. And God says, but you pushed yourself to that every step of the way, and now you're blaming him? But you kept pushing and pushing it and pushing it, and now you act surprised when things are a mess. So Jesus teaches us how to say no to the first push. So how do you do that? Let's look at the scripture today. This is not a Bible, by the way. I would not do that. <laughs> but let's look at how Jesus overcame this temptation. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has over, overtaken you except that which is common to man. So God is telling us your temptation is garden variety. Everyone's is kind of the same. It's the same area. Everyone's tempted to be resentful towards, you know, someone in their family who hurts them. Everyone's tempted to be mad at their boss. Everyone's tempted with sex. Everyone's tempted with, you know, immoral thoughts. Everyone's tempted with, it's the same stuff. So now your temptation is different than mine, but your temptation is not uncommon. That's what God's saying. He said, we all face the same things. Then he says this, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Oh, 
This is such a relief. I'm going to unpack that in a minute. But with the temptation, he will always provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Did you know that cars today, especially sports cars, like if you go out and buy a Toyota Supra, those are super fast cars. They're so fast that Toyota and other companies do this too. They will put a governor, they will put a, a chip in the engine. A computer will give a directive to the engine that it can only go so fast. They put a governor on it. So if you're into racing, you'll buy a sports car like that, take it to another mechanic and have them remove the governor and that car that, that's supposed to peak out at about 165 will now go over 200 miles an hour. The problem is you and I can't handle 200 miles an hour. We think we can, but unless you're a NASCAR trained driver and even they have accidents all the time, you'll get an accident. But now this is NASCAR level accident without the safety gear. This is how you die. And people have died from this. I lost a friend from this who had a you know, car super fast, and he, he wrecked it, and he died. It happens. God, the creator, did something for you and me. He will not let the devil rev you up higher than you can handle. God put a governor on our temptation. He says, I'll let you allow temptation to come in this world, but I will not let you cause my children to be more tempted than they can bear. Aren't you glad that God is saying, you got this, you can overcome it? I guarantee it. In fact, check it out. It says in, in 2 Peter, it says this, we have everything we need to live a life that pleases God. God says, you already have the strength within you to overcome your temptation. You already had the ability. Now you just have the choice. You have the ability. Now you have the choice. Will you decide to do the right thing or the wrong thing? So here's the three ways that Jesus made the right choice. Instead of pushing the boundaries, he pushed back against the temptation instead. Here's the three things that Jesus did. Matthew, 1, uh, Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, which means you can be led by the Spirit and still be tempted. Catch that? So he's led by the Spirit in the wilderness, then the devil tempted him. So I want you to understand something. You're never going to get to a point where you're so spiritual you're no longer tempted. People pray for this. Oh, I just pray that I get so close to Jesus, I'll never be tempted again. That does not exist. You cannot get closer than the son was to the father, and he was tempted. So if you're waiting for a day that you're no longer tempted, that day is not coming. Instead, we have to learn to make better choices. So Jesus was also tempted. Heard a true story of a missionary. He was over 80 years old. He was asked to speak in front of a bunch of young Christian singles. And they did a Q&A at the end. And a young man raised his hand and said, sir, can I just ask you, you're an older gentleman, what age did lust finally go away for you? And he said, I don't know, sometime after 80, I hope. <laughs> it hadn't stopped for him yet either. And so and all the women who are married to an older man, they're like, you got to be kidding me. It's never going to stop. Nope, sorry. <laughs> never going to stop. The truth is, is that God builds you with desires so you're going to be facing temptation until the day you die, until the day you're on the other side of eternity, you'll be tempted by certain things. So that is just the truth. And you just, until you understand that, you'll be frustrating. Oh, why am I always dealing with this? You're just, you have to learn to, to deal with it better, but you can, you can overcome it. And so when, when you're led by the Spirit, God gives you the power to overcome things. Let me just tell you what that means to be led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be confusing to people. How do you know the Holy Spirit is? Okay, there's three parts to God. There's the God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Spirit. It's called the Trinity. God the Father, God is in heaven. He's on his throne to this day. Then there's God the Son, 
right? That's the Father, and then there's the Son. He sent Jesus the Son to this earth to live a sinless life, died, did a lot of miracles, died on the sin for, died on the cross for our sin, paid the price for what we've done that keep us from heaven. He switched the price tags. He paid the price for all of our sins, and he gives us his perfect tag so we can go to heaven if we accept him, right? At the end of our service, we're going to give you a chance you can receive Christ so that you'll know you'll go to heaven and you can have a relationship with him from this point on. But so that's God the Son. Jesus actually said to his disciples after he rose again from the grave, he said, I need to go back to heaven now so I can then send to you the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, the Holy Spirit is what comes within us. Here's how you know you have the Holy Spirit. I know people that, that they went out to the club, party, whatever, did their thing, and they came back, they accepted Christ. Then they went out the next night to go out, and they were like, it was weird. All of a sudden, something in me said, don't go. Some the things I used to do, I'm like, oh, I, I feel like I shouldn't do that now. The things I used to say, I feel like they weren't right to say anymore. So at, ver at the very first, it's like this conscience comes in you, and you're like, oh, this is probably wrong. I don't think I should do this. No one had to tell you because the Spirit of God within you told you. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so it, it, to be honest with you, it kind of messes you up at first. You're like, oh, man, I, I feel like I can't do anything anymore. That's because all we knew was doing wrong before, and all of a sudden now we're presented with this choice. We're like, oh. So at first, the Holy Spirit just feels like it's always no. And so, and this can be very discouraging. This is a lot of times why people quit coming to church, is they feel, I feel like I'm judged. I feel like I walk in. I feel like I feel this conviction all the time. Well, that's God saying, hey, you're not walking in the direction I want you to go. So at first, it's a lot of no's. But if you'll honor the Lord with those no's, eventually you get to some of the Holy Spirit yeses where he's like, yes, this is a right relationship. Yes, these are healthy friendships. Yes, this is the path to go on. But you have to get through some no's first and obey in those no's. If you don't, you become desensitized to the Holy Spirit and you don't recognize his voice anymore. Does that make sense? So when the Spirit is speaking to you, even if you think it's the Holy Spirit, go ahead and obey that. I've learned that I cannot out-obey God. Like in other words, like, I think I want to be do that, but I'm not quite sure God will honor my attempt. Did you catch that? So when you sense the Holy Spirit's telling you something, go ahead and obey it. Just earlier, uh, just in fact, before the 8.30, I was joking around with someone, and I feel like I crossed the line a little bit, and just something in my spirit said, no, that wasn't okay. So I was like, oh, this is kind of embarrassing. I'm the pastor, man. I feel like, so I went back and I said, hey, I was kind of kidding around, and I just want to tell you, I feel like I kind of crossed the line. I just want to tell you I'm sorry. I felt like the Holy Spirit told me that. And they were like, pastor, it's fine. No, I wouldn't think about that. I said, no, I just, I just felt like that was right. Okay. I just had to get it right. And I just want to tell you, if I have to do that, don't you think we all have to do that sometimes? The Spirit just speaks to you, and you're like, you know what? I crossed the line. That was wrong. It just nothing. It wasn't big, but it was just enough. Would you say, Pastor? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. But the Holy Spirit convicted me. It was not right. Make sense? So you have to list, listen to the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was led by the Spirit moment by moment. If you are not led by the Spirit in the moment, then when temptation comes, it's just easy to fall right into it because you're not listening to the Holy Spirit anyways. So your prayer life makes a huge difference here. We should be in constant prayer. Prayer doesn't mean some weird spiritual thing where you're sitting around going, hmm, no. It's not mysterious. It's just something like this. God, thank you for today. This is my prayer for me. Right? I'm like, Lord, just thank you. I'm doing good so far today, but Lord, I know I'm going to face temptation and struggles and all kinds of difficulties. So just help me because I'm about to get out of bed. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, you know, like for me, I'm like, just, just getting out of bed. You know, like just, just, just get started because as soon as you get going, bad things happen and you got to fight that temptation, have a bad attitude, say the wrong things, do the wrong things right. And so God, just help me be with me today. And maybe you're like, hey God, I'm about to take a test today. Help me do good on my test. Lord, please be with me because my boss is really on me right now or I've got this coworker that drives me crazy or Lord, just help me in this traffic. I'm just, I get stressed out. Just call on God. God, help me. 
and just be led by the Spirit. The second thing Jesus does is really powerful. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil, right? But then he says, then Jesus told them when, after he was tempted, no, the scriptures say, please do not live by, uh, this, sorry, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So now Jesus says back to the devil, he quotes the scripture. This is so simple, yet so powerful. The most powerful thing that ever comes out of your mouth is God's word. And so, and by the way, I encourage you, don't just think of the scripture, say it. If you're in a place socially that you can, just say the verse out loud if you're tempted by something. Because when you say it, your own words hear it. And the word does not come back void. Did you know the Bible says that? So even your word speaking God's word doesn't come back void, but it gives you power to overcome your temptation. So say the word of God. Here's a second time Jesus does this. He does it three times. It says, Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. So he quoted the scripture. So one of the things I like to do is I like to find a verse in the Bible that has to do with what I'm tempted by. Memorize that verse. And then here's what you do. You take that verse. It's like, it's like you ever known someone who dipped? I'm not recommending you do this. I'm just saying. If you know someone who dipped, they put the dip, they put it right between their gum and their teeth. Look at that. When the devil comes at you, tempt you, just take that scripture, spit it right on them. You'll never forget that illustration, will you? And you're like, that's disgusting. I know. But if you spit, trust me, someone's going to back up you. If you spit the word of God at the devil, he's going to run. Every time. Does that make sense? Guys, this is the power of getting in God's word. Get in God's word. This is my Bible. This is the Bible I use for everyday reading. And it's a little beat up. I, I highlight things in this Bible more than other ones. And so it's, it, it's kind of beat up. But here's what I've learned. A Bible that's falling apart is normally owned by someone who's not. Get into the Word. It will change your life. I want to tell you right now, if you will do this, there is no greater battle we weapon you have in your battle, in your arsenal, than the Word of God. I'm going to tell you right now, there's a reason why. You can read any other book. Have you noticed you never get spiritual resistance from going to Instagram? You never have spiritual resistance going to Facebook or Twitter. You never get spiritual resistance watching MSNBC or Fox News. You never get spiritual resistance opening a magazine. But the one time you say, I'm going to get to my Bible, the phone rings. People interrupt you. All of a sudden, everybody says, why? Because the devil wants to keep you out of the book that he knows will cause you to win. So get in the Word of God. And I want to tell you right now, I'm so tired. So I'm seeing preachers nowadays backing off of the Word of God. Why? Because they're falling into temptation to be popular. We are called to preach God's truth, whether it's popular or not. If you come here, you're going to hear the whole word of God, the whole truth. Whether you like it or not, we're going to preach it. That's how we roll. So, number two, Jesus fought temptation by knowing and quoting the word of God. This is why Bible reading is so important to get into the word of God. And then the third way is probably my personal favorite way to overcome temptation. And I think this is the reason why. is because I'm probably so weak. Like Paul actually said, I'm the chief of sinners. I feel like that. Like, like the reason I'm talking about temptation is because I need this sermon. I don't know about you, but I needed it. I'm preaching to myself. People are like, how do you always know what to preach on? I'm preaching to myself and trying to get myself in order. And so I know because I'm just as human as you are and I fall in this temptation all the time as well. It's easy to do. So this is one of my biggest secret sauces to help me overcome temptations. Matthew 4 verse 10. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. Let's say it like we're in the mafia. Get out of here. That's what he says, right? Turn to the person next to you and say, get out of here. 
You got to say it like that. He says, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Oh, there's another key. How do you put some distance between you and the devil? Start serving. My friend Ed Young says, if you're not serving, you're swerving. When you serve, can I tell you a byproduct of serving in the church? When you serve, you end up serving alongside someone else. You become their friend. You create new relationships. Now you have new people to hang out with. And all of a sudden, you're not hanging out with the old people doing wrong things, going wrong places, wrong people. You're not doing that anymore. You've got new friendships. You're going to new places, doing the right things. Make sense? Serving is a huge part of this. And so believe it or not, you want to overcome temptation, start serving. Believe it or not, it makes a huge difference. And so he says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. This is important. This is probably my biggest secret to overcome temptation is this. Number three, Jesus put distance between himself and the ongoing temptations. How do you do that? Through new community, new, new, new friendships that are Christian friendships that honor God and boundaries. Don't be afraid to set a boundary. There's some places you just can't go anymore. You're just like, if I go there, I'll do the wrong things. Sometimes it's not even where you go, it's when you go. You're like, I don't have a problem with the internet. I have a problem with the internet at two in the morning. I don't have a problem with cable TV. I have a problem with cable TV at two in the morning. So it's just the time you're there, right? You, t- you tend to find the wrong things. Or maybe you're like, I don't have a problem with friendships, but this one friendship, if I hang out with them, I'm gonna do something stupid. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? There was two or three of my buddies in high school we'd hang out, but there's one other guy came with us, we'd all do something stupid every time, right? We're like, don't invite him because we'll do something stupid. He just led us down the wrong path every time, right? So I just want to encourage you to know that when you make decisions, sometimes you have to decide this. This is a simple decision I made years ago. You have to have the courage to be a coward. Just admit where you're weak. If you'll do that, listen, the reason why Conor McGregor will never beat me up is because I'm never going to get in the ring with Conor McGregor. So I'm smart enough to know that. So if you've been repeatedly beat up in a certain area, get out of the ring. Get away from that. Jesus put it this way. He said in his prayer life, he said, and lead us not into temptation. Just stay away from it. And so, yo, man, but pastor, it's so hard. I'm in the club and the girl is all up on me. How do you stop that? I'm like, don't go to the club. Don't have a girl up on you. That's it. (laughs) Couldn't handle that either. Are you kidding me? Get your freak on with someone else. I can't handle that. Stay away. I'm telling you, you got to stay away from that stuff. My kids asked me one time, Dad, how'd you and Mom do it? Like, y'all were virgins all the way up to your wedding night. How'd you pull it off? I was like, well, first of all, this is really important. The only kind of girls I ever dated throughout high school and college before I even met your mom, I told them, I said, were the kind of girls that were following God that if I tried something, they'd slap my face off. That's half the battle right there. Just stay away from the wrong type of girl or type of guy. And then, you know, but then when we were engaged, when when Jessica and I fell in love, it was really difficult. I mean, like I had to take 10,000 cold showers, but I made it. I mean, I don't know how she did it. How could she resist this? What are you laughing at? So offensive, I tell you what. One of the biggest secrets Jesus teaches us is real simple. Stay away from it. It's not complicated. If donuts are a problem, don't work at Dunkin'. That's all I'm saying. Just avoid it. Just stay away from the wrong places, the wrong times, the wrong people, the wrong paths. And if you'll do that, Jesus says, you can overcome temptation too. That's what he'd say over coffee. He'd say, you got this. It's real simple. You don't, don't let everyone question who you really are, right? The devil's questioning constantly, right? He said, what? He said, you, know, you need to know who you are in Christ. He said, be led by the Spirit. And he says, what? Know the Word of God. Be ready to spit it at the devil when he comes at you. And always avoid those places. 
that are tough for you. Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed, would you take a moment to pray? My prayer for you is that this practical yet powerful message will sink into your heart. Maybe you say, Pastor, I keep falling into the same area. Don't we all? Don't we all? Make a decision to say, God, I'm just going to quit going down that path. Maybe your prayer is to say, God, forgive me for the umpteenth time. And I thank you that you do. But now, Lord, the difference is I'm going to start going down a new path, a different direction. You may even want to get accountable. Just share with someone, hey, man, I'm really struggling with this. Would you help me? Would you pray for me? Would you ask me what I'm doing with my time, where I'm going? What, what, just, just ask me because I'm weak in this area. That's the power of community, about being there for one another to encourage each other, to be there for each other. If that's your prayer today, just lift your hand high. Just say, God, I want to live differently now. I just want to avoid this. I don't want this to have power over my life any longer because I know who I am in Christ. I'm not going to let the devil constantly question me to where I lose my confidence. Don't let that happen to you. God forgives you right now. Just say, God, forgive me fully. And thank you that you forgave me at the cross, that the cross was enough to give me a fresh start today. My prayer is that you will leave here lighter knowing God has forgiven you and you can now just walk a new path. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Put your hands down. If you've never given your life to Christ, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. Then Jesus rose again from the grave after he paid the price of your sins and for mine. He rose again, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you and I to individually receive him. You can pray this prayer. You can receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior right now. Across all of our campuses, those online, pray this prayer with us right now. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, would you just lift your hand high right now? All of our campuses, hold your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. Thank you. You're not alone. Hold your hand high. Praise God. Thank you. We see your hand, Rodfield. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Stone Oak. Hold that hand high. Praise God. All the way out there in Portland. Thank you. Thank you. Just gave your life to Christ. Let us know. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Padre Island. Praise God. If you're online with us, you can let us know by in the text chat. Just text my hands raised or click hand raised right now. We praise God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. Those in our prison ministry, would you write us a letter? Let us know. We'll write you back. I promise that you gave your life to Christ. We thank God for you. Father, thank you for those who gave their life to Christ today. Thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to walk with us even when we're tempted, even when we struggle. Lord, you understand our weaknesses and you show us how to live a life that honors you. Thank you for your word today. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true. Real quick, before anyone goes, if you'll just stay seated, do me a favor. We kind of have an issue lately. People have been slipping out early. Would you just honor the Lord by staying in church until we dismiss? Would you do that? Let's just honor God and say, I'm here until they say we're done. Thank you for that. It's offering time at Church Unlimited. It's an honor to give to God. It really is. We're going to do something different today we haven't done since COVID. We haven't done this since pre-COVID. We're actually going to pass the offering bucket today. And so we're doing that again. Haven't done that in a long time. And so as our ushers get in place, I want to share a quick story with you. And I'm going to pray. We'll have our offering. And we'll dismiss it in just a moment. Just give me a couple more minutes here. There's a true story. In 1993, there was a lady named Tracy Otler. She found herself. She was a single mother with a three-year-old. And uh, she lived downtown. She was eight months pregnant when her husband left her. 
And like most single moms, she did not plan to be a single mother. She was now living in a tenement apartment, living on welfare and food stamps, trying to get through school so she could have some kind of future for her kids. She was embarrassed. It was Thanksgiving. Her family invited her to come, but she didn't want to go. She didn't want to get lectured about some of the decisions she had made. And she just thought, you know, I'll just stay here. Her three-year-old son was young enough that he wouldn't even know what he's missing at this age. So Thanksgiving morning came. And she turned on the TV and she was watching the Thanksgiving parade and so forth. And they kept cutting to commercials of all these people with these huge feasts of food. And she just, she knows what she, that's what she would have had. She was with her parents, but she really couldn't afford any of that on her own. And so she just opened some canned food and was about to make a little meal and wake her three-year-old up to have Thanksgiving meal with her three-year-old. And she was, of course, depressed and sad and, and really just about in tears. About that time, there's a knock at the door. She thought, who in the world? She gets up to go answer the door, and there's a guy standing at the door with two huge bags full of piping hot food. He says, here, this is delivery for you. She says, what is this? Who, who sent this? She said, he said, I, I'm not here to tell you that. Just here's the food. She said, thank you. He left. She's like, you gotta be kidding me. She opens it up, and it was turkey and all the fixings. It was a full-blown feast of Thanksgiving. She opened it all up and just cried her eyes out. Who would do this for her? She woke up her three-year-old so she could, so he could experience all the food. They ate it together as a family. She called her mom and dad. She said, Mom, Dad, did, did you deliver food? They said, No, we, we invited you over, but no, we didn't. She called her sister. Her sister said, No, it wasn't me. She called all her friends she could think of that would do this. And they all said, No, we, we didn't do that. It's great that someone did that, but no, we didn't do it. She never found out who gave her all that food. But she made a decision. She said, I want to become a giver because someone impacted me. Fast forward seven years later, she's no longer in that tenement apartment, no longer on welfare, no longer on food stamps. She's now a nurse. In fact, she had met someone and they had gotten married. And so here she was a nurse and under her care came a woman named Margo who used to live in the tenement apartment that she was in back then. She hadn't seen Margo in years. Margo had multiple sclerosis and was dying. She was in her last stage of life. So she was just taking care of Margo. Three days before Margo died, Margo waved her over. She came over and said, Margo, how can I help you? And she whispered, in her ear, she whispered in her ear, she said, Happy Thanksgiving. And then she knew Margo was the one who gave her that gift that Thanksgiving morning. You know, it changed her life so much that when she got off food stamps, she took baskets of food and gift cards and laid them out in the line at the food stamp where you go to get them so people could just have free gifts. She was so proud of the fact that she went from receiving to giving. When she got out of that apartment and got into, became a nurse, and when she got married, they became foster parents to help others out who needed a home. See, she shifted gears and realized that I have received, but now I want to be a giver. This Thanksgiving, in fact, every Thanksgiving, Church Unlimited, we give hundreds of turkeys away at our Westside Mission. Also in San Antonio, we give turkeys away as well to those in need in San Antonio as well as South Texas. This year is pretty tight. To be honest with you, we don't have the budget for it. But I don't know. I just feel like the Lord told me, I don't care if you have the budget. You should do it anyways. It's just the right thing to do. And so I'm just going to ask you during this offering time, we need to go out and purchase a bunch of turkeys. So I'm just going to ask you to help provide one. They're about 20 bucks. Maybe you've never given in the offering before. But you know what? Before you go out and spend some money on lunch, why don't you say, you know what? I want to help provide someone else a Thanksgiving turkey this Thanksgiving. 
Or maybe you normally give and you say, I want to give a little bit above and beyond so that someone else can enjoy a Thanksgiving meal. Because I don't know about you, but we're going to have a feast in our home. I want to help someone else have a feast that they can't afford as well. Would you give today? Not only do we give because God teaches it, but God commands it. It's the right thing to do. Let's pray and ask God to bless this offering. Lord, thank you, God, that as a church, we've always been a generous people. And Lord, we're not going to stop that today. Just because things are tight, just because the economy's not good, we want to continue to be generous. So Lord, thank you today that we can give to some single moms, to some individuals who are not able to provide what, what they wish they could provide for their families. Lord, thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for the single moms who are doing well that can give to another single mom who's, who's not or to a family who's doing well that can give to another family who's not. God, it's an honor to be able to make a difference in someone's life. I pray your blessings over this offering today. We thank you, God, for the privilege, the joy it is to bring joy to others and give to them in need. I pray your blessings over this offering. Thank you, Lord, that we're able to do all the missions and ministry we do in every area through this offering. But above and beyond, we're going to be able to feed a lot of families. I pray your blessings over this offering today. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for your generosity.